talked about several important things. If you haven't listened to that, man, I encourage you to do that. One of the things he talked about was regret. And we're going to talk about regret this morning. So the, the definition of the word regret is a feeling of sorrow or remorse, an act or fault, a disappointment, disappointment, regret. You know, sometimes we can read a definition like that, but it doesn't really convey the meaning of a word. So I've decided this morning to, to share something else with you. Uh, about 13 or 14 years ago, it's amazing that it was that long ago, I was given the, the privilege of overseeing, really, the contractor that we had hired to build and remodel this facility that we now sit in. Several months later, I began uh, graduate school and was pursuing a graduate degree. And then a few months after that, in uh, actually it was February of 2008, I started to experience kind of some weird physical issues. Many of you know this story. Several months later, I was diagnosed as having epilepsy. And then in October of 2008, uh, I had a brain tumor that was pushing up against my brain and wrapped around the optic nerve of my left eye, and I had that removed. And, and, and so really for a year and a half leading up to that and probably a year after that into, into the fall of 2009, it was a difficult time for us. I'll be honest, it was a difficult time as a family. God, as always, was faithful. Absolutely. But in the midst of those events that were happening, some of them pretty rapidly, I really began to focus on my job, my task of trying to help do my part in getting this place built, and uh, my education, my ministry, and my recovery. What I did not focus on, or maybe more appropriately, who I didn't focus on was my wife and my boys. My boys were 13 and 15 at the time, and at the end of this time in our lives, they were 16 and 18. I don't have to tell you how important those years are in the lives of teenagers. Very important decisions are made about your future. Often you set off in a direction at that age that, that you stay in for the rest of your life. Much character is built. A lot of important things happen during those years. Denny talked about one of them. You know, you learn how to drive, and then you're given the keys, you know, for the very first time. Uh, in our case, really, Grace taught our boys to drive because I just wasn't able to do it because of where I was. I was physically present, but really emotionally and mentally, I was absent. I was not there during a very crucial time in the lives of my sons. Grace was left in a pretty difficult spot. She did her best to support me as well as support the boys and really raise them. Uh, she was, as she often is, amazing. And really, although I wasn't aware of it until several months later, during the latter part of that, I, I became depressed for the first time in my life. I was unable to engage emotionally uh, or mentally. I had no energy, and the energy I did have, I poured into this place, and I was just self-absorbed. And because of that, my wife <coughs> and my boys, they paid a very high price. They paid the toll of my decisions. My decision to, to keep pursuing my education, my decision to, to keep doing all I could here without asking for help until it was way too late, my decision to, to go it alone when all around me there were people that would have helped if I had just asked. Regret. 
Regret is a feeling of sorrow or remorse for a fault, an act, a loss. I know what it means to have regret. Do you? Maybe you have a similar story. Maybe your story is completely different. But it's very possible that you're here this morning and, and you have regret. Maybe you have lots of regret from your past, maybe even from your present. If you do, here's what I want you to know. God has a message for you this morning. How do I know that? I know it because we are not the only ones to experience regret in our lives. The Bible has lots and lots of examples of people who experienced regret and lots and lots of examples who experienced full restoration from that regret because of God's mercy. And I want to share with you this morning just one story of a friend of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, Peter. And we're going to really look at Peter's story kind of very quickly, but there's four acts that we're going to look at, four parts of his story. And the first one is found in Matthew 26. If you want to turn there, you can. It'll also be on your screen. We're going to be reading uh, quite a bit of scripture just so that you, you can see the flow of this story. And we want to learn from Peter what God did in his life and what he desires to do in ours this morning. Matthew 26, verse 31 says this, Then Jesus told them, he was talking to the disciples, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. This is really the beginning of the, the crucifixion story. Very shortly after this, Jesus is arrested. Soldiers come and arrest him. And the disciples scatter. They run. Every indication is that Peter ran as well. But then he stopped running. He turned around. And later that night, we're going to see the, the second act of this story in Peter's life. And we're going to read it from the, the book of Luke, chapter 22. But I will tell you that what I'm about to read to you is one of only a handful of events that is recorded in each of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record this story about Peter. It, again, it's just, it's just several hours after what I just read, really just a few hours later, and this is what it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 54. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. I should point out that they would know that because of Peter's accent. Kind of like if you live in the South and someone comes up and says, What are you doing tonight? You know they're not from the South. Same thing. Right? It was an accent. They knew he was Galilean. And Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. 
just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the, the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Regret. Remember the definition? A feeling of sorrow or remorse. Peter would have experienced great regret. He would have experienced sorrow at realizing that Jesus had been right about him. Can you imagine the pain he felt to realize that the vow he had made to Jesus that said, I'll never deny you, even if I have to give my own life, it didn't last more than a few hours. And he did the very thing he said he would never do. We know that the story continues. Jesus is tried, convicted, crucified, and buried in a tomb. And I know that we know the end of the story, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, but if we can sort of go back in time to just that moment, Jesus is in the grave, and the disciples are confused. They're probably scared. Their leader's been killed, so what's that mean for them? They would be concerned, for sure. They have this confusion. They, they, they thought to themselves, I thought he was the Messiah. I thought he was going to be our king. I thought he was going to rescue us. This isn't at all what I thought was going to happen. Peter would have had those same feelings, but also would have had this extra feeling of regret because the last time he saw Jesus, he denied that he even knew who he was. Praise God the story does continue. And a few days later, Jesus raises him from the dead, and the disciples find out about that. In fact, Jesus appears to them, uh, over several days, them and several other people. And, and on at least two occasions, Peter and the other disciples are with Jesus. Uh, briefly, it seems like, we don't have all the details in Scripture, there doesn't seem to be any indication that Peter and Jesus had any sort of conversation during those times. So, so now, again, let's use our imagination just a little. Here's Peter, and he realizes he is the Messiah. Jesus is the one who, who he said he was, who I thought he was. He is raised from the dead. And yet, the last time that I was with him, when I had the opportunity really to stand up for him, I denied him three times. Think about that regret that Peter would have had, even as he's in the presence of Jesus. I'm almost certain he would have been thinking about that event. And then a few more days pass. And the disciples, Peter and several of the disciples are out fishing. And, and Jesus meets them really on shore and he cooks them breakfast. It's a great passage. We don't have time to go into all of it. But it does bring us to Act 3 of Peter's story. And if you look at John 21, verse 15, we're going to read this interaction that, ha that Peter and Jesus have. Maybe very familiar to you or, or maybe not. This is what it says. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. 
And then he goes on to give him some information. He says, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then John tells us what that means. In verse 19, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then Jesus says to Peter, follow me. As I said, we don't have time to to look at this in depth, but I do want us to look at a couple important uh, elements of this passage. Before I do that, though, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to have a difficult conversation with someone and you kept putting it off or maybe they did? For, For whatever reason, you knew you had to have it, but you couldn't. So if you've had that experience, maybe you, like me, know what it's like to have sort of this feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, I got to have this conversation, I got to give this person the bad news, or I got to confess something to them, or maybe I have to confront them about something, but you know you need to do it, and it's gonna, you're just dreading it. I think Peter would have known that feeling, because he's got this, this denial right in front of him. And he's with Jesus a couple times, but it never comes up. So actually, the part of the story I didn't read is Jesus is on the beach, and the boat sees that it's Jesus. The disciples see that it's Jesus. The boat is close, and Peter like jumps out of the boat and comes to Jesus. I think he's ready to have the conversation. He's dreading it, but he needs to have it. The most obvious, I think, part of the conversation that jumps out at us, right, is that Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. It's pretty logical, And most experts agree that he asked him the question three times because he had denied him three times. But Jesus isn't doing that to to punish Peter or to make Peter feel bad or to remind him that he denied him three times. I'm sure Peter didn't need reminded. But really what he was doing was he was allowing, because Peter had denied him three times, he was allowing him to reaffirm his love for him three times in order really to, to restore him. Jesus allows him to reaffirm his love. Think about the conversation and and the message that it's sending to Peter. What does Jesus say when Peter says, yes, you know that I love you? He says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. He's really saying, build up my church. Peter, I have some important things for you to do. I have an important assignment for you. I know you regret denying me. I'm I'm sure that. But I'm telling you, you're still able to live the life I intended you to live. You're not damaged goods, Peter. You're not, you're not disqualified, Peter. Maybe some of you this morning need to hear that as well. You're not disqualified. You're not damaged goods. God still has an amazing future for you, just like he did for Peter. We're not disqualified by our past. That's the amazing truth of the gospel. Praise God for it. What Jesus is also doing is he's saying to Peter, Peter, what I told you to do before, earlier in my ministry, I'm just saying, keep doing the same thing. So in Matthew 16, verse 18, it says this. This is Jesus speaking to Peter. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Jesus is saying to Peter, by saying, feed my sheep, he's saying, you have a great future. A great future. And then the second thing Jesus says to Peter is, follow me. Think about that for a moment. In order for Peter to follow Jesus, he's got to be looking to where Jesus is, not looking behind him, not looking to the past. Jesus is saying, don't look back. Look to the future. Don't look at that night 
that you have great regret. But let's together, Peter, you and I, let's focus on the future. Follow me. That encounter that Jesus and Peter have brings another word to my mind. We sung about it this morning. I want to define it for you. That word is mercy. Mercy. Mercy is the compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or other person in one's power. What does that mean? It means you don't receive the punishment you deserve. You don't, you don't get what you deserve. That's mercy. Peter, what must have been running through his mind? He's finally having this conversation. He's been dreading. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, do what I told you to do before that happened. Look to the future. Follow me. It's okay, Peter. That's mercy. Peter could have said, excuse me, Jesus could have said to Peter, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to punish you. Hey, I'm really upset. But he didn't do any of that. He had the right to do it. He showed compassion and great mercy. And he restored Peter. He really says to Peter, nothing that you've done, nothing has changed the fact that you are the rock upon which I'm going to build my church. That's the message he sent to Peter. And that's mercy. That's God's mercy. If you, like Peter and like me, if you have regret in your past or, or, or maybe even in your present, this is God's message to you. This is part one. My mercy is for you. My mercy is for you. It's not just for Peter. It's not just for special people in the Bible. It's for you. We sung about it. His mercy is new every morning. His mercy is abundant. It never runs out. It's sufficient. So if you have something in your past that you have regret over, something that you've done, or maybe something you have not done that you wish you had, maybe a decision, maybe a choice. It may not have been sin at all. It was just something you, you, you made a decision and you've regretted it ever since. Maybe it was a word spoken in haste and you can't take it back. But whatever it is, you keep looking back, not forward. And because of that, you're stuck. You can't move forward because you keep looking backwards. And you're really stuck in that regret. If that's the case, this morning, God is saying, my mercy is for you. And more than that, he is saying this, my mercy can fully restore you. Completely. That's God's plan for you just like it was his plan for Peter. If you let it, God's mercy can, can allow you to look to the future and leave your regret in the past permanently. And he can restore you fully so that you can follow him. This is what he did in Peter's life. Let's look at the fourth and really the last act that we're going to look at in Peter's life. It actually is in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Jesus has ascended to heaven the Holy Spirit has fallen on the disciples. There's a great crowd of people, and Peter stands up and he preaches the gospel boldly, clearly, with great power. And this is what happens. Verse 37 of Acts chapter 2. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call 
So excuse me, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Because Peter allowed God's mercy to fully restore him, Jesus, just as he desired, was able to use Peter to build his church. That's restoration as a result of God's mercy. That's what he desires for you this morning and for me. I do need to say one, one thing this morning. If you're right now involved in, in behavior that is that, that's just wrong, and that's what's causing you regret, it's sinful. You need to stop that behavior. That's kind of step one in the process. You may be here this morning in a crowd this size. Maybe you're involved in, in, a, in a relationship. It's just inappropriate. Maybe it's not physical, but you know it's not right. You need to stop that. Maybe you are having an affair. Maybe you're involved in some other behavior and it's causing this regret. It's just tearing you up inside. If that's the case, you can receive God's mercy. But first, you have to receive his forgiveness. That's step one. We can do that. You can do that. Scripture makes that clear. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I feel like I, I quote this almost every time I preach. I say it's my life verse because I need it. But it's truth. It's the heart of the gospel message. Jesus is willing to, to forgive you if you stop sinning, turn from that sin, and ask him to. Praise God, that's true. God's desire really is to forgive us and then to remove our regret, to get rid of it. That doesn't mean we won't remember what happened. Right? I'm 100% certain, 100% certain that, that Peter, until the day he died, he remembered the night he denied Christ three times. There's no way he couldn't have. But he also remembered God's great mercy. And because of that, he was able to not live with regret, but actually have joy as he followed Jesus. Because as he remembered his, that night he denied Jesus, he also remembered God's mercy. And he was able to follow Jesus, live for him with joy and thankfulness, in spite of his actions. I told you the story of my regret this morning. I've not forgotten. I can't imagine that I ever will. In many ways, I don't want to because it, it allows Grace and I to share it with other folks so that hopefully they can not make the same mistakes that I made, not make the same choices. I want to say because of God's amazing grace and mercy in our lives. We've had great reconciliation and healing. We've talked about it. I've asked forgiveness. I've said I'm sorry. She's granted that. I also want to say that I have a great relationship with my boys because of God's mercy. They're fine young men. God's at work in their lives. Absolutely. I know that to be true. I also realize that God is able to use our choices and decisions, whether they're poor decisions or maybe sinful ones, and still create a future that he desires for us. That's a promise that we find in the book of Romans. 8, 8.28 says this, right? And we know, it's a verse I'm sure many of you know, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, trusting in the fact that 
in all things God works for good and trusting in his great mercy, I can remember the past but not live in regret. But instead, with joy, follow Jesus into the future he has for me. And you can too. That's God's mercy. Are you ready to leave that regret behind? To stop looking back and instead look to the future that God has for you, that he desires for you and that you desire as well. If so, it's time to receive God's mercy, to accept it. You can do that anytime by asking him, right, to, to take away that regret and that sorrow and, and, and to receive his mercy. But I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning because several folks are watching online, several of you are here this morning, and so I just want to, I want to pray for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what we're going to do in just a moment, right? I just want to pray if you have regret right now in your life, if there's sorrow, if there's pain because of what has happened, what you have done or not done, perhaps what has been done to you, and there's regret there, and you want to leave that behind and receive God's mercy, I want to pray for you. And, he, and here's what I want to do. In just a moment, we're going to just bow our heads and pray. And if you have that regret and you want to receive God's mercy, as we pray, I'm just going to ask you to just, just put your hands upward. That's it. You don't have to. There's no pressure. There's, no, there's no, nothing special in that, but it's just a, a way of saying to the Lord, for you to say to him, I need your mercy, and I want to receive it. If you're at home, if you're in your car, wherever you are, you can do the same. Just put your hands upward as a way of saying, Jesus, I need your mercy. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. Father, I come to you, and, and, and first, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your love, for your forgiveness, for your grace, and for your mercy. Lord, there may be some here this morning who have never asked for forgiveness of their sin in their life. And there may be some who have done that. They're, they're followers of you. They love you. But right now, there's a specific sin that you are convicting them of. You're saying, you need to ask forgiveness for this. If you are in either of those situations, I want to just give you 10 seconds to ask God to forgive you so that you can then receive his mercy as I pray for you in just a moment. So just silently where you are, if you need to ask for forgiveness, do that now. Father, you see, you see us. You see us with our hands turned upward to receive your mercy. You see our hearts ready to receive your mercy. Father, for these ones that they want to receive your mercy, they want to be free from this sorrow, this regret, Lord, I pray that you would take it from them, that you would remind them that what they have done or what they have left undone does not disqualify them. They're not damaged goods. They have an amazing future if they leave the regret behind and receive your great mercy so that they can then follow you, live the life they desire without that regret. Lord, you just give me this picture of you in heaven with a large pitcher of cleansing water and you're pouring it out on those hands that are raised up. 
Lord, I pray that we would be overwhelmed with your mercy, that you would flood us with your mercy, that we might be set free from regret, remorse. And I ask it in the mighty name and in the merciful name of Jesus. Amen. When you receive God's mercy, you're set free from that regret. So I want to encourage you to walk in that freedom. And as you go this morning, I want you to remember Jesus' message to Peter on the beach. Don't look back. Look forward. Follow me. That's his desire for you and for me this morning. If you need prayer this morning, maybe about something God was speaking to you about, maybe you want prayer for healing in your life or for you or a friend or a family member, would you come forward? It would be our privilege to pray with you. If you don't need that specifically this morning, I just want to thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. I hope that you have a great week and that you leave here overwhelmed by God's mercy. Thanks for being here.